I need to talk to you about your child. What is it? It's Schmanners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's Extraordinary Etiquette. For Ordinary Occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Uh, good. Uh, allergies. That was a loaded Whoa. uh. A um, loaded uh. Uh, good. Well, this is the time of year where uh, the weather pretends to be fall, but it's not really fall yet. Ah, uh, yes. The seasons change. A young man's fancy turns to sinus drainage. <laughs> But it's not it's not really fall yet, so don't. Uh, I disagree, no, madam. It's not really fall Perhaps yet. Perhaps you did not see upon the calendar, but it is September, which let me check. Yep, is a fall month. Yeah, the end of September. But you would not say December is a fall month, would you? Uh, I would say the end of December is oh, winter. Oh no, no, no! See that I saw that hesitation in which you said, "I'm not going to say the first thing that comes to mind," which is, "No, of course not. December is a winter month. Come on." It doesn't start as a winter month. Listen, do you always follow what the calendar says, or do you ever follow your heart? What's your heart say? My heart says this is just a pretend. Your heart is a wrong. End season. Your heart is wrong, madam. We and... went and bought fake pumpkins yesterday <laughs> for fake. Fall. But we live in Ohio, and so we uh-huh. will go back and forth and back and forth between summer and fall for the next month. All I know is that it is currently 10 a.m. here, and it is still under 70 degrees. It is fall. It is fall, and you can pry that away from my sweater-wearing, pumpkin spice latte sipping face. <laughs> All right. You know what it's else summer's, happens? Summer's bad, and it's hot and gross, <laughs> and fall is great, and it's comfy and cozy. Okay. But you know what else happens in fall? Yes. Yes. Back to school. Back, Back to school. school. Back to school to prove to dad I'm not a fool. Now, do you think that that spans generational divides, that I don't reference? Know. Or do you I think that know. there is a 10-year period of people who are like, I get that? <laughs> <laughs> Probably that one. Yes. A concept that we were all on board with. Oh, yeah. A, a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he's probably 19 in the movie? I don't know what age he's supposed to be. Oh, he can drink, so he's 21. Just hanging out in uh, kindergarten class. Um, so we were talking about mm-hmm. parent-teacher conferences. Let's say, uh, we'll probably say parent a lot. But when we say parent, we're going to include, just because they're called parent-teacher conferences, maybe they're called something different now. Maybe. Because, like, guardians would be included in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who care for... The kids, right? It's, right. It's about caregiver, teacher, but that's too many syllables. You yeah, see, yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. But. Yes. Okay. We are at a point now where BB has teachers, and we have conferenced with them uh, twice in in her schooling. I yes. think we haven't had one yet for this year. No, no. We've conferenced with people. Yes, we have uh, to talk about our daughter. I thought it would go way worse. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. Um, well, because I no, I want to talk about this for a second. Because it was like you know when I don't know how many people listening have kids, but when you have kids, everything at least for me, everything BB does that is a little bit weird or a little bit frustrating or a little bit anything, I think 
She's the only one that does this. Oh, no yeah. other child has ever behaved like this before. No other child has ever done this before. So then when I t- talk to the teachers, and I'm like, so does she have an issue with this? Expecting them to be like, yes, thank you. I didn't know how to bring it up, but yeah. And they're like, no. No, no, that's perfectly normal. And I'm like, it is? Your job must be very difficult. Okay. Um, of course, the teacher's job is difficult. Of course, yes, it is. But here's the thing that I always try and remember. Children behave so much worse for their parents than they do for anybody else. Well, this is because we, you and I have talked about this recently. They know what works on your parents, right? Also, they feel comfortable with us. Okay, that's a nicer way of saying they know what tactics work to get them what they want. But yes, and but when they see a teacher, they're like, hmm, I haven't solved you yet. That's why by the end of the year, the teacher's like, you have to get out, please. <laughs> I have to move you up to second grade. Okay. Um, first, uh, I would like to thank Rhiannon for submitting this topic. Thank you, Rhiannon. Um, so the first parent-teacher conference was not recorded, so we don't know when it happened. Wait, then how? Do, <laughs> wait, but then how do we know? We know that it happens because it entered the like the common vernacular, the the lexicon of of education. Okay. In the 1930s, but we're gonna start. Before that, that actually makes a lot of sense to me that yeah. that was when it started because that also feels and listen, I'm not a historian. That feels around the time where school became like very compulsory and like sure. And it, the the idea of like child labor was like becoming more and more outlawed and becoming you know not so common. And so then it was like, what are we going to do with all these kids? So you're absolutely right. And before I am, yeah. Yeah! Yeah! Go on. Before the 20th century, nobody really had time. They didn't have time. They were too busy making enough money to live. Yeah. And so parents were not very active in kids' education. And kids' education was not a lot, right? Um, So there was usually... Like just one small school in town, yeah. right? Um, especially if your area was underserved, right, or rural. Uh, though, pretty much, at least in America, every area every area was rural for a long no, time. No, I mean even now, underserved. Yeah. We don't pay teachers enough and don't te- treat them well enough to draw anyone into that workforce. Especially, oh, growing up in West Virginia, yeah. oh, oh, rough. I, it's just mm, okay. Here's the problem, West Virginia. West Virginia, uh, the system there, at least when I was in school, rewarded seniority mm. over like any kind of credentials or qualifications. So like if there was a job, especially in Huntington, schools kept consolidating down. So like I remember when I was like a little kid and there was like five or six, maybe seven high schools in town. And by the time I went to high school, there was one, like mm. one big one. So as these schools kept consolidating down, you had more and more teachers with seniority and so the new teachers would come up and be like i would like to work and it's like too bad dude we don't have a lot of jobs and we have this person who's been doing it for 40 years and doesn't care anymore but they have seniority so they get the job and so what you ended up with was a lot of burned out people and yeah it was not great oh boy that was a tangent but west Um, virginia doesn't do well in education (laughs) so i think that's the that's the story of a lot of towns in america at the moment Mm. Um, so, but, but because there was really only one teacher, right? They also lived in the community. Yeah. And so if you needed to have a quote conference, it probably happened at 
the general store. Or you right? ran into like the tavern or something. Or a church or whatever. You this know? is 1930. There probably weren't taverns. Well, but this I is the 20th century, so pre-1930. Okay. Earlier. Got it. Earlier. Okay. Yeah, there was a whole 30 <laughs> years before 1930, wasn't there? That's yeah. a long time. That's almost as old as I am. Okay, <laughs> okay. go on. Um, but like I mentioned, people also didn't go to school for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, so the average child at this point Can I in guess? the U.S. Okay. 12? No. Lower? Yeah. Nine? Eight? Probably more like eight. So what we're talking about is the very basics of math, reading, and grammar. Okay. Um, and in the early 1900s, more than two-thirds of the schools in the U.S. were located in rural areas, and there was simply just one room with probably not any formally trained teaching staff. And and more often than not, your, quote, teacher was just the smartest adult or teen yeah. in the town. Right? I feel like we've talked about that before. But, yeah, it was just like, okay, you, you're you pretty good at this. Mm-hmm. You take over. And because it was the one room, right, you would have right. six-year-olds up to, like, if a kid did stay in into, like, high school, right? Yeah. Or that age, right? They're all just in the same room. And at that point, you're handing them more complicated books, mm-hmm. right? It's not like you can take time to be like, hey, let's really work on this lesson and get this across. Right. And kids had been educated like this for decades, right? But this was the time in uh, the industrial kind of the move towards the industrial revolution uh, that, you know, the industrial evolution, (laughs) high end mechanization starts coming. And so people really need to know a lot more than they did before. Um, And so people were able to kind of look around and be like, "Mm, we are not preparing our young people for what is coming. Right. You know, it's, it's almost like uh, if you don't learn from history, it's doomed to repeat it. Mm. Because we're seeing that happen now, too, with people being like, we need to educate people on computer jobs, like more yeah. about IT, because everything has gone from like the Industrial Revolution, where it was like everything is becoming mechanized, to now everything is becoming computerized, mm-hmm. right? And so these people who worked with machines now need to learn how to work with computers to use those machines, doomed to repeat it. Because, you know, at this point, large corporations were replacing agriculture and small manufacturing. And they also, children at this age, needed to learn to develop a skill instead of just hard labor. Right. right? Um, And... Rural people were starting to move to city centers. This is the beginning of of that kind of thing. But also millions of immigrants were arriving on the shore. So there was now, as you start to move to a more densely populated area, there becomes more competition. So education is more important to survival. Right. And I also imagine at that point, you also, because you had not only more children to serve, but also there was more adults. Like Mm -hmm. there was more educated people. So you could say like it wasn't just one person because everyone else was busy. Yeah, It was like, hey, I'll do this too if you'll pay me. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. great. Um, So let's talk about then report cards, right? Okay. And permanent records. There's no such thing. No such thing. I mean, not... There might be. Within the criminal justice system. Sure, sure, sure. sure, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there might be permanent records in school, but they mean nothing. Like, (laughs) I I will say I'm 37 now. I've never, like, applied for a loan and had them be like, now, wait, hold on. I see here you skipped class when you were nine. (laughs) Like, that has never (laughs) been a thing. Um, 
they weren't they weren't getting the job done because so much more of what um, what the world was moving towards wasn't academically based mm. um, because there was a whole new kind of like social hierarchy. There was, you know, new skills that required ingenuity, that required, you know, um, innovative thinking. And it wasn't it wasn't just can you do math? Can you read? Great. I will. I, I also just want to take a second here because when we talk about education uh, and I, I will say uh, that I can speak on it in the U.S. I don't I have not been educated in other countries, so I can't speak to that. But here in the U.S., this is a uh, very complex topic, right? That right. We're, we're talking about the evolution into parent teacher conferences, right? But you could dissect the idea of standardized education and the pros and cons of that and like saying, okay, great, you want to study this thing, but what you need to know is this and this and this. So that's what we're going to focus on. And like, it's such a complicated Mm -hmm. issue that we will not be getting into the pros and cons of uh, standardized education. Continue. And so at this point... Um, you had the report card, right? right, which was the way that the teacher communicated with the parents. Reading, writing, arithmetic. Got exactly. It. Um, and you really only heard, as a teacher, you really only heard from the parents if something was wrong. Right. If, like you're, they did not agree with the grades you sent home or, or, or something like that, right? And that's that's a really tough way <laughs> to, to take a meeting, well, right? Well, yeah, the, if something's wrong. I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like, I think about this a lot of how now, and I'm jumping to present, but the way that expectations of parent and teacher have changed mm-hmm. in the last 80, what, 90 years, right? Of it just being like, okay, they can read, great. And now we have conversations like, do they get along well with other students? Do they seem happy? You know, are they enjoying themselves? Are they engaged with things? And the teachers, you know, asking the same questions. But I have to imagine that at this point, as education was becoming more compulsory and standardized, that there were parents who had not gone through that educational system right. who were like, I don't know, is this good? Are you yeah. doing a good job? You got a B? Nice, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So this is when things started to develop, to develop a little more in depth, like statistically speaking. Okay. That's what I want to say. Um, because frequently schools at this time period would make a graph uh, <laughs> I love a graph. That would track What's like... What's your favorite kind of graph? You like a line graph? You like a mm, bar graph? You like a pie chart? It depends on what I'm measuring. My favorite is a line graph. Oh, I love to see those dots and the zigzags. Oh, it's great. Okay. Just uh, saying, I like graphs. They would uh, track things like attitude, habits, social engagement, um, and, you know, obviously parents were like, hey, give us those those good, good grades, too. Yeah. Um, but so, like, it it's beginning to to change into, like, the whole person and right. not just a ticking off a list. complete education, yes. Exactly, exactly. Um, Especially, and, I imagine, as there is a shift towards a focus in business. Sure. Where it's just like, listen, if you want to get in business, it's great to, like, know numbers and everything, but you have to be hireable like mm-hmm. people have to like you mm-hmm. and at this point they're probably trying to like uh you know match people like what uh carnegie and uh pierpont and morgan sure. and like these business people and be like 
we're gonna teach you to succeed, how to succeed in business with with really trying, <laughs> with trying very hard. And so, with more information to share, it became imperative that teachers were able to explain this sort of thing to the parents. Right? It's okay. a lot easier to send home a, a grade card, and you can, and hope you don't hear anything. And back. hope you don't hear anything. But when you start thinking about like putting um, kind of qualitative measurements yeah. on things instead of quantitative, right. it, it requires a little more face time, right? Yeah, and we should talk more about that. But first, how about a thank you note for our sponsors? Woo! Hey, folks, let me tell you something. This is one of those, like, I'm not just a spokesperson. I'm also a client. Oh, Just ordered some new sheets. Or some new towels. Mm-hmm. Went through Brooklinen. We did. And no one made me do it. That's important. I'm an adult. I make my <laughs> own choices. Nobody said you have to go through Brooklyn. I wanted to go through Brooklyn, and I don't regret it. I love it. We got a sheet set. We got a duvet cover. Yeah, I got yeah. a duvet. I'm an adult. It's not just a pound puppy <laughs> blanket <laughs> anymore. I'm an adult. <laughs> Let me tell you about Brooklinen. You can invest in your comfort and save because they have a Labor Day sale happening now. Brooklyn and makes beautiful, high quality bedding and everything you need to make a house a home. And listen, that's absolutely true. Right out of the packaging, right? These blankets and sheets are comfortable. The towels are comfortable. This isn't one of those like, ooh, once I wash this 20 or 30 times, it's really gonna break in nice. Mm. These are comfortable right out the gate. And they make bedding for every kind of sleeper, whether you sleep hot, cold, or whatever, they've got you covered. Which is great for us because yes. I sleep hot and Travis sleeps cold. And I sleep upside down. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So freshen up your fall with Brooklyn into one-stop shop for comfort. Shop the Labor Day Savings event now for savings on all things comfort. And if you can't decide right now, then how about you invest in your comfort with promo code SCHMANNERS anytime. So wow. you have the Labor Day Savings Sale now, uh-huh. and then promo code Schmanners anytime. That's brooklinen.com, promo code Schmanners. If you're sick of constantly arguing with the people closest to you about topics that really aren't going to change the world, we're here to take that stress off of your shoulders. We take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal. That's right, Hal. If you have a subjective question that you want answered objectively once and for all time for all of the people of the world, questions like, who's the best Disney villain, Mac or PC, or should you put ketchup on a hot dog? That's why we're here. Yes, I get that these are the biggest questions of our time. And we're often joined by special guests like Nathan Fillion, Orlando Jones, and Paget Brewster. So let Mark and Hal take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal, weekly on Maximum Fun. Okay, so where are we at? on the line graph of education. We've made it. What? We're, we're educated? Top. We're educated. Boom. We've matriculated. Uh, as far as parent-teacher conferences okay. go. So we're into the 1930s. We are increasingly unionized Good. as adult workers. Nice. And so the time that we have to dedicate to children's education has risen, right? Parents are probably a lot more available to like spend time with their kids to like help with homework and to instead talk of to just teachers. throwing them a book. Yeah, say read this. Well, I have to work sixteen <laughs> hours today and twenty seven hours tomorrow, and I can't help you. 
Right. And they also, uh, parents also have like actual time to schedule a meeting right. with the teachers. Um, also, schools are starting to make, you know, policies and procedures regarding standardizing things, right? Yes, which, as we said, complicated, complicated Very complicated. Feelings. But in the least, this helps um, create like measurements. Right. For, like, what is the difference between an A and a B, right. right? Some of those things are so highly subjective, right? One teacher might say, this was grade A effort. And then the next teacher might be like, uh, this is just average from the stuff that I've seen. So That's why I always liked math classes mm. because it's like, okay, I know if I miss, there's 100 questions on this test, I can miss 30 or less and still pass this test. Right. And that kind of knowledge was very comforting to me. So, but you know, different schools had different like teachers and policies and procedures, and they were working on because it wasn't just the one person teaching everybody, right? Yeah. And you knew what to expect. You had grade divisions and classroom divisions, and you know, all and that kind of stuff. Multiple schools in the same city, right? So, yep. like, if you moved with your kid, you wouldn't want have them to start a new school and like you don't know this and this and this right like you wanted to be able to say like well you're in second grade so you know this right because we standardized this thing exactly um so let's talk a little bit about the meeting uh-huh the meeting of the minds the yeah. teacher's mind and the parents mind oh i see um as far as having students present there's a mixed bag of that um so like it, it will depend on the school, obviously, if they require students to be along. Um, and I also would say... I would say if you in child care, you know, yeah. maybe you don't have a choice. Maybe you don't have a choice. Um, and it does change the language that you can use, how honest you can, you can really communicate. You might have to be a little gentler in the way that you speak about your child. I mean, I imagine that's probably true... <laughs> To some degree, no matter what, well, I, I can't say I imagine. I know, right? Yeah. You can't like no teacher is going to be like, "Oh, your kid, a brat," right? <laughs> they might say like, "Well, Gosh, we really." Goodness, need- I hope not. No, we need to work on taking no for an answer, and sometimes they get frustrated when think right instead yeah. of saying like, "Oh my god, your kid, what a piece of work." So we're gonna. I would like to start with kind of like some um, generalized teacher do's and don'ts to set teachers up for success first. Um, make sure as a teacher that you know what your specific school's protocols are. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a form you have to fill out before the parents get there, make sure you've got that covered, right? Um, and the thing about parent-teacher conferences are although <laughs> parent comes first in that sentence, the teacher is the leader. Right. The teacher meeting. is the one who's actually there? So the, I assume that they are the one providing information and the parents are ones receiving information. Now, I guess the parents could provide information based on what they see at home and mm-hmm. what the child has said their experiences. But it seems more about – anyway, you get what I'm saying. So you're almost – as a teacher, it feels kind of like you're making a book report on this kid. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? So if you have any standardized test results you want to discuss, uh, if your school in particular is more focused on academic or social skills, make sure you have like the kind of measurements to back that up and explain that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, it feels good – 
when you're leading a meeting to have all your ducks in a row. Yeah. Um, and along with that comes like the material. So it's always it's a little easier to explain your professional opinion to someone who doesn't know what's happening with a visual aid. Right. Right. So if you could say like, hey, we've noticed that over and over again during art time, your kid seems to draw pictures of Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote. Are you watching a lot of Murder, She Wrote at home? <laughs> and then your dad, Clint Mackerel, is like, I don't, when is Travis watching Murder, She Wrote? <laughs> and no one's quite sure when Travis is what, because mom doesn't watch it and dad doesn't watch it. So why is Travis drawn 30 to 40 pictures? It, very accurate, lifelike drawings of Jessica Fletcher. No one knows for sure. So something like that, you exactly. mean? Exactly. Okay. Stuff like that. Um, just some documents to prove your prove your points. Right. Really, okay, is is what you need. Did you did you really draw thirty? No, oh. I said oh, completely. <laughs> okay. Of course, of course, I, of course completely, of course. completely hypothetical. <clears throat> um, and so there are also a few things that you can do to as a teacher to make the classroom comfortable for parents. Mm. Make sure you have big a, chairs, adult size furniture, yeah. exactly. Um, Unless you want it to be funny, and then. <laughs> Well, if you want it to be funny, you have to lead them to the kid desks and then be like, ah, just kidding. Well, I got these chairs. Don't over. indicate the kid desk. <laughs> just walk over there and stand there like, and let them start to say the kid desk. I'm like, what are you doing? That's for children. <laughs> then it's, it's the little things. Um, you can also, you know, make your – a lot of teachers do this anyway. But display the kid's work, mm-hmm. right? Not just the one you're talking about, but – Overall, the class work because it is important for um, for the parents to see how their kid compares, right? And that's not what this teacher conference is for. But I will but say, but it does give some context, right? Context is what you want, right? Like I, I, when when you have a child at home, even we have two kids, right? But it mm-hmm. still can feel like a vacuum. Or you're like, I don't know, is this normal? Is this the thing? Is my kid doing well? Are they exceeding? I don't know. And that feels to me like as far as I'm concerned, what I'm looking for as far as context in the thing. I want them to say, your child is the greatest student I've ever taught. <laughs> um, and this will probably give a teacher some bonus points. And we all know that teachers are achievers. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't see it. My, I'm describing for the audience yeah. the the. They could feel that fist you put, in the air. that you like raise your fist and fist triumph. Pump. Yeah, um, have some materials out for younger siblings mm. to occupy themselves with because yep. the distraction uh, that a parent feels while they're trying to speak to another adult, but they are also trying to mitigate the other younger children is. Bad. It's just a bad feeling all the yes. way around. It is not for a good meeting, and I know this because I have tried to do it with so, Dot. Oh, and Dot does not care about BB's education. No, currently. not at all. Not at all. So things like puzzles and games and coloring books and things like that. If you can set up an area of your classroom where the parent can still see the younger child, but they can see that they are occupied, and you can provide things to occupy them, mm-hmm. that's an A plus. Yep. Um, also, okay, so 
open with a positive, right? Yeah. My yeah. my teachers in in school used to say roses before thorns. Oh, see, I I know feedback sandwich. Okay. okay. Positive, negative, positive. Start with the positive. You do the negative in the middle. You end with a positive. It just starts the ball rolling in a nice way. Yeah. Right. So far, your kid has not set fire to anything. <laughs> Oh. He's tried. That's the negative, right? right. We've been able to stop him. <laughs> and we always want to frame our children in the the you know the chart of growing, right? So if there is something that they excel at or that they need to continue to develop, I think that's really as a parent what I want to hear. I want to yeah. hear, this is growing. We're moving in the right direction. I mean, actionable feedback is always the best way to go, right? Yeah. Just say, like, they have a problem with this. Instead of say, like, well, I think uh, we can work on this and this and this. And mm-hmm. not say, like, you need to work on it. We, right. like, we need to work on this. I would say that this is uh, a lot like communication in a relationship, right? Of, like, I statements and we statements instead of you statements. Right, yeah. We've we've definitely talked about that. Um as a teacher, you should probably explain the things that you take for granted every day, like if there are acronyms you use mm-hmm. or certain uh, like mottos in your your teaching style or or things like that. Um, I mean, remember that the parents they haven't been in this classroom; they don't know what you do every day. So, uh, if you are to say something uh, like you know. Some tests have different like acronyms. Right. All I can think of is OSHA, but that's not a that's test. That's not it. <laughs> Unless you're worried about the kid doing some heavy construction. I it, I think one of the things I'm concerned a- about ACT. Your SAT. child isn't rated for uh, forklift, <laughs> and I think we really need to work on that. Um and. It always helps to have a plan, especially if something needs improvement. Yeah. Right. So. If you know as a teacher going in, this is a problem thing, if you just give that to the parents and say, hey, this is bad, and then nothing, yeah. that is not a good like meeting tactic just in general. So if you have something that needs improvement, offer a plan, offer a starting point, even if it's just a little bit thing. Like maybe, maybe we need to... Uh, discuss homework habits. Maybe we need a planner. Right. Maybe we need like all that kind of stuff, right? Um, now we have a question here from Victoria, who is a teacher. Okay. How do you ask a caretaker to leave once they've gone over their time slot without looking rude, uninterested, and considerate? Yeah. Yeah. Ahead. Let's let's start with the physical things. If you're sitting at a desk, stand up. Yeah. Okay. That is a good signal to the other adult that your time is up. Um, also, you can exchange um, email address yeah, or whatever. So I, that I, I, I totally understand that you want to continue this conversation. Feel free to contact me and we can email about it or even schedule a phone call. Exactly. Uh, but I do need to get to the next. Yeah, I think that that is perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Um, I think that the last thing that you should do is have a, a clock Available, like I'm not, not saying like a like timer a, that you like, like spin time. around. Mm. No, but like a very visible digital clock that's easy to read and easy to point to to say, "I'm so sorry, our our time for this session is up." Here's my email. Let's do da 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 da. I mean, you can even you could set like a timer. I suppose you could, but that's a little. Uh, mm, I would. 
You would. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, and so you can have, like I said, you can have something to back you up and be like, my uh, next appointment is waiting outside. So we let's continue this later if you have more questions or concerns. Um, Liv asked, how should I as the teacher talk to a parent who is very confrontational? Typically, I thank them for the feedback, but parents are sometimes unrealistic, unreasonable about what one teacher could do. And I think you are absolutely right. Um, there are a lot of just... Some people are jerks. And and expectations of one person for, like, who's responsible for, let's say, up to 30 children at a right. time. Like, if they really need something that you can't give, like, a tutor is what they need or whatever, right? right? Um, don't let anybody abuse you, of course. Like, you... You do not have to stand for this. And there are protocols and people to get involved up the chain of administration. Right. If you feel abused. Yeah. And to say like, hey, I understand that this is a concern for you. But uh, if, if you would like to talk to the vice principal or the principal or whatever. about Right. It. Right. Um, this is a good rule for parents. Yeah. Because here's the thing, parents. I love BB and Dot so much. And the thing is, as a parent. No matter how great a teacher is and how much that teacher loves those students, a teacher will never be as invested in your individual child as you are. That's just not how it works. And the thing is, you are worried about your one child's experience, and a teacher is worried about the entire class's experience. So to think that the teacher would be able to prioritize your child's experience because that is your priority Mm -hmm. is completely unreasonable, right? Right. And so it's something to keep in mind. And that this is true not just of, like, teachers and children, but, like, if you're at a restaurant, if you're on an airplane, if you're anywhere, remember that your individual experience is, of course, your priority. But the person taking care of the group has to worry about everyone at the same time. Exactly. Um, and lastly, I'd say for teachers that – we parents, gosh, sometimes we are spread very thin with rehearsals and with like sports or, you know, like even just work that we're doing. So if you can reach out, you emails, if you want to, if someone doesn't sign up for a conference, maybe suggest a, a, if it's available like Zoom or whatever you can to do it virtually, or um, if maybe they need a translator, right? Lots of schools have resources, and if your school doesn't have a resource, I'm so sorry. Uh, But hopefully you can work it out with maybe a digital translator. Um, Google, I'm sure, has something, right? They got an app for that. I will also say, just as far as like, at a certain point, it's not your job to deal with someone who is uh, being abusive and confrontational, right? But a good de-escalation tactic is sometimes, because I get frustrated, right, when I'm especially like being super invested in my kid and I'm worried about my kid. And so a good uh, uh, verbal tactic to use is I understand that that you are very concerned about this thing. And I will do everything in my power. I understand. I understand. I understand. Right? Because sometimes... And this is not fair to teachers. This is not fair to people in service professions in general. But sometimes having someone whose job it is to listen to your concerns 
leads to venting. Yeah. Right? And especially parents who carry a lot of concerns and frustration and at times guilt and like negative emotions regarding the job that they are doing. Because sometimes the parent might be worried that like the reason the kid isn't doing a good job is because it's their fault, but they don't want to acknowledge that because they feel bad about it. So they want to project all these things, right? And it's not your job to be their therapist. Um, But if you want to say like, oh, yeah, I understand how like – it's a good way to take the wind out of sails. Um, and parents, moving moving to the other side of the table, um, remember that you and the teacher are on the same team. Yeah. Right? So there's no winning here because right. we are not we're, – we're not uh, fighting. No, that's not it. We're not right, like, playing against another team. What right. do I want to say here? Anyway, you're on the same team. You are moving towards the same goal. Um, and that can go a long way, the right mindset. I mean, I feel like this is something that they teach you as kind of like in a manager or supervisor role. Like it's important that you don't feel like the the team you have is beneath you. Yeah. Um, it's more important that you express that we are working towards the same goal. I have your back. We're, we're doing this together. It's right? an us mentality. That's right. Um, Next, I would say it's hard, parents, to hear poor things maybe about your your kid. Yeah, you take it very personally. I mean, you want your kid to succeed, one. And Obviously. two, you know that, like, the thing, like, huge influence in your kid's life is you. Mm-hmm. So when someone's like, I mean, I don't know if all parents feel this way, but I imagine a huge majority do, of, like, every decision you make as a parent thinking, is this wrong? Yeah. Am I wrong? Um, I don't know. Am I wrong? And so then when someone's like, hey, there is this issue, you're like, I knew it. <laughs> but the teacher is there with them all day. And, right. and they see things that you are you don't see, right? It's another pair of eyes. Uh, and in the way of like, hopefully a more trained eye looking out for specific things. But like, they see things that you won't see. So the teacher doesn't gain anything by lying or exaggerating to right. you. It only makes the teacher's life worse if they lie or exaggerate about something. Right. So, like, try and stay calm. Remember you're on the same team and, and take their take the advice that's being given. And And if it's hard to hear, it's okay to say, like, I will think about that. Thank mm-hmm. you. And let it process and then have the conversation with them later sure. when you're feeling a little bit, you've had time to like process and think about it and, and see it from their perspective. And um, feel free as a parent to discuss maybe outside influences that may, that may, um, you know, change a child's behavior. Are you moving? Are you getting divorced as someone recently passed in your family? Like all of that stuff can influence how a child behaves at school. And if there's something that the teacher is like, hey, Johnny is doing blah, 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 blah. And you're like, "Mm," you know, that sounds that sounds like something that I was worried about. His dad and I are getting a divorce and this, you know, all that kind of stuff. Be as open as you feel comfortable. Right. But it Family situations do impact children in the rest of their lives, obviously. I I also think, and this is uh, a tricky statement I'm about to make, but here we go. 
Not all teachers are great. <laughs> you know, growing up, I had teachers that uh, were kind of jerks at times. You know what I mean? And so I would say two things with that. If you, as a parent, have heard things from your kid that have given you concerns, I think it's okay for you to bring concerns to and be like, I have heard from my child that this has been their experience during class. Can you tell me? You know, your perspective on that or, like, your experience with that and, like, what is happening. Not saying, like, my kid says you're a jerk. Are you a jerk? <laughs> but more like my kid says that, you know, they oftentimes don't get time to finish projects that they're working on and they find that very frustrating. Have you noticed that is an issue or whatever and see how the parent, how the teacher responds to it? Right. there, And there are times, parents, you need to advocate for your children. Absolutely. Right? If nobody if, – if, if you don't do it, nobody's really going to. And with a teacher who, yeah, yeah, bad teacher, you may need to to also get the higher ups involved. Yep. Right. Um, vice principals, counselors, things like that. You may need to move your child's classroom. You may need to move schools. Do what is best for your child. Right. Um, that is the good side of the yes. investment. Right. Yes. Is that when it comes down to it. That teacher can't be as invested as you are in the kid, good or bad. And so their experience then, let that investment become a positive influence where you're like, you know what? This is not like, hey, kid, like it or lump it, you got to deal with it. School is tough. I know, man. Right? This is Mm -hmm. more like, hey, tell me. I want you to be able to tell me because this is the time where you establish that trust of like, I want you to be able to tell me if you're having a problem, right? Right. You can't expect to ignore your kid at four and hope that at 14, they'll trust you, like to tell you issues that they're mm-hmm. having. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a really great thing to do at a parent-teacher conference is ask for opportunities to be there in the classroom. Is there a classroom helper? Is there a craft mom? Is there a, a library assistant? Is do you there, want me to like, come tell the kids about my weird podcast job? You know, <laughs> It's a great way to be involved. Um, lastly, I want to talk a little bit about um, just general meeting etiquette. It's important to be on time. Yep. If you cannot be on time, you need to contact the person you're meeting and rearrange, reschedule, let them know what's happening. Are you going to be five minutes late? Are you going to be 15 minutes late? Because a lot of these are scheduled very tightly. There's oh, yeah. a lot of people to go through. And so if it's a disservice to both you and the teacher as a parent if you can't make it, but you try and make it and you waste people's time. So... Uh, be punctual, but if you can't be punctual, try and work it out. Um, like I said, you guys are on the same team. Uh, the teacher doesn't want to to <laughs> to win to lock you out of the classroom when it's not your turn. Your turn. Well, they might want to. It depends on how long a day it's been. <laughs> um, and then also uh, remember what the meeting is for. It is for you and the teacher to talk about your child. Um, unless there is something very untowards, like uh, maybe a bullying situation, you really shouldn't bring up other kids, yeah. right? It's not there. Uh, so tell me, what's the deal with Johnny? Oh, <laughs> right? Is he, is he as bad as they say? Right. I have two quick questions oh, for sure, you from sure, listeners sure. that I want to get to before we run out of time. Um, how do you feel about the idea of like bringing a gift for the teacher? Oh, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, I think that you should stick to... Um, 
gift cards. Right. Uh, nothing too personal. Um, no, no, like homemade food or any food. Really, you don't know right. allergies. You exactly. don't know dietary restrictions. Exactly. I don't think that you could ever go wrong with the Target gift card. Like, Target gift card. Everybody loves Target. Everybody loves Target. I think that even even if you don't bring a gift. A handwritten note is always so nice. Yeah. Be like, I was thinking of you, and thanks for doing this for me. Um, the other one is, how do you uh, address with the teacher when your kid has some kind of like special requirements? For example, Kelly asked about like uh, their kid needs to be able to drink water throughout the day, but the teacher has restrictions about like bringing the water bottle to the table. Mm-hmm. How do you like politely? Uh, how do you ask the teacher? Well, again, I think it's important to have your, you know, your visual aids, right? Is this water thing something dictated by a doctor? Mm. Bring a doctor's note. Um, Is this water thing more like, uh, you know, they're constantly dehydrated, they're not going to the bathroom during school, all this kind of stuff. uh, And so it affects their performance. Perhaps that's a way that you can talk to the teacher and be like, listen, I know that Johnny, I know that Johnny really go to name. Yeah. Really Susie wants and Johnny to, is just what's in my head all the time. Okay. Really wants to participate, but is so tired because they're dehydrated. And we need to work together to find a way that they can have more water breaks, bring a water bottle, something like that. I also think it helps to explain the issue and mm-hmm. then say what we do at home is allow them access to water whenever they need it. And I know that that conflicts with this thing so is there any way we could what is there something we could figure out do you have any ideas right Right? instead of it being you you don't want the teacher to feel like you're dictating to them what they need to do in their classroom but i think providing that saying what you do and then giving the teacher the opportunity to solve that problem Mm -hmm. will make it feel collaborative Absolutely. And that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you haven't, go check out over at MacRayMerch.com. we got a bunch of new merch over there, uh, including a new pin of the month, uh, which it's, you know what, I was going to say it. It's a bit of a weird one. <laughs> Aren't they all? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So over there, we've got um, the... Uh, Okay, so in <laughs> The Adventures on Ether Sea, Griffin created a character on the spur of the moment that he called Dr. Shack that was like part man, part puffer fish, and it's a whole thing. Uh, and as he was leaving the elevator we were in, his <laughs> neck inflating go, oh, there I go. Okay, <laughs> Whoops, so there go. that is pen is over at macronymerge.com and it benefits the World Central Kitchen, which uses the power of food to nourish communities and strengthen economies through times of crisis and beyond. We also have a Phantom Sea Coast Co. pen over there from The Adventures Zone Ether Sea, as well as a set of Adventure Zone temporary tattoo flashes, like a flashy, you know, a bunch of yeah. temporary tattoos over there, uh, designed by Lynn Doyle. And that benefits the Asian Prisoner Support Committee, which provides direct support to Asian and Pacific Islander prisoners and raises awareness about the growing number of APIs being imprisoned, detained, and deported. Also, thank you to Maximum Fun, our podcast home. Check out all the other great shows there. Check out all the Macroy projects at macroy.family. What else? Thank you, Alex. Oh, thank you, Alex. Um, Alex, you're like a teacher to me. (laughs) What would I do without you? Thank you for suggesting this, Rhiannon. Um, And if you would like to suggest a topic, you can do so. uh, You can send us an email, schmannerscast at gmail.com. Alex reads every email. Please send us those emails. Um, Also, send us idioms. We'd love to do another idiom episode. People really love it. I really love it. 
Travis, do you love it? I love it. Um, I love it. <laughs> uh, and we got all of our questions for this episode on Twitter at SchmannersCast. Um, and that's where we that's where we get them. Look that's for where us. we get it. That's where Follow we get us it. Follow us on Twitter. Don't act like we don't. So thank you to um, Brent Brentelfloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for her Twitter thumbnail art one more time at SchmannersCast. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the fan, the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Um, if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, you should join that group today. And that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners. Schmanners. Get it. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.